0: Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast. I'm David Moore, and I'm spending all of my time debugging code. And I'm Ken Newquist, and I just spent my entire
1: weekend selling bacon s'mores at Easton, Pennsylvania's Bacon Fest. So, so very much
0: bacon. (laughs) And today we've got two guests coming all the way from Beloit, Wisconsin, uh, Matt and Marty Forbeck. They're here to talk about their project currently on Kickstarter. Shotguns and sorcery, a noir game about a city, a dragon, and lots of zombies. Uh, is that <laughs> well, is that an accurate? That, that's a description? good description. I think yeah. that fits
2: perfectly. We might have to copyright that now. Just <laughs> put the camera yeah. and say yes. That's it. That's at least as good a tagline as the one we have. <laughs> God, I don't think we've developed too many taglines for this thing. We always like people are like, what's it about? We're like, just word vomit, right? And, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Zombies Dragons, Big City Noir, all that good stuff. So. Yeah.
0: Elevator pitches are hard. But you you evidently did it cuz it did fund in 24 hours.
2: Oh, it funded in 4 hours actually. 4 hours. Pretty, okay. Yeah. So it it did pretty well. Mostly that's because what you do is you you uh hit your mailing list hard. You tell people it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Sign up. And then, you know, eventually they get the email and they're like, "Oh, I should probably do that." So um, There's this whole science of pre-launch for Kickstarter nowadays, where you have to tell everybody a month ahead of time that you're doing this, and uh, try to get them to sign up so that they go right away, and then you can say, "Oh God, we funded in X hours or 20 seconds or whatever." And uh, it's a big marketing thing. So, not that I understand all this, I'm doing it anyway. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's Kickstarter has changed over the years, and it seems like uh, they've gotten, uh, like you said, there's a science to it now that that they've figured out to get people to to fund for it. Um but I, I I'd like to also think that they're that people are going there because they are interested in in it, not
2: just have been bombarded by emails. So oh <laughs> yeah uh, I mean, it's kind of this, marketing for me is like this black magic, right? I mean yeah a lot of times I'm just distrustful of it because people are like, I can sell that for you. I'm like but can you? you know, yeah. How much is it going to cost me to sell this, really, is the real question. Uh, we actually tried teaming up with Backerkit on this one. They, we're going to use it for the pledge manager. They have this marketing program. Oh, okay. And uh, they, they set a return on ad spend, like a multiple that you're trying to reach, right? And after like two or three days into it, we're like, man, it's not getting anywhere close there. I'm not sure why. They don't know why uh, the ads weren't working. But uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm trying to take that as us hitting everybody who knew about this or, or wanted to know about it pretty hard before that. So they mm-hmm. came in without the ads. So, I mean, I mean, like I said, it funded in four hours. So I wasn't feeling bad about it. Just right. kind of wanted to if I could get it to, you know, take off at some point. Apparently you need to do either a big line with lots of miniatures or have Avatar uh, as your license or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Or or it, what used to work in the past was lots and lots of stretch goals that you could not actually deliver on because of right. shipping. Right, you know.
2: exactly. And we avoided that, like, yes. Plate right uh we did add some stretch goals to this and actually debated about it long should we add stretch goals or not. i'm like eh, let's only add stretch goals that don't add any shipping costs and don't add very much in the way of developing time or costs either because otherwise we're just going to delay this thing and nobody likes that i mean we right. want to deliver the thing in a timely manner we don't want to spend it ton of more time in it and i don't want to promise people a line of books right i mean this is the one book's enough honestly for this thing and if you know somebody backs up a truckload of money to my front door i'll be happy to write them a whole line <laughs> of but barring that scenario uh i don't see the point of going out there and promising people things it's going to take me three years to deliver That's it. Yeah.
0: so we've kind of talked around Shotguns and Sorcery,
2: but <laughs> right, I, don't think, meta- I,
0: I don't know <laughs> that many of our uh, audience actually knows too much about Shotguns and Sorcery, so okay. could you, uh, other than the the elevator pitch, can you give a, can, can brilliant you tag give a, a better,
2: a more drawn yeah. out pitch? So Shotguns and Sorcery is a, in this case, it's a fifth edition sourcebook for your world's most popular role-playing game that we can't tell you is Dungeons and Dragons, right? Because of trademark issues, I think we can say <laughs> but, it here. Yeah, I think in passing, you do. it's for use with that game <laughs> that everybody already knows. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you can't use it in your marketing and stuff like that, right? You're not allowed to use their trademark. Uh, anyhow, it's a fifth edition source book for uh, Dungeons and Dragons, essentially. That is originally based upon a set of novels that I wrote that came out in 2012 and short stories before that. That that was in turn based upon a pitch I did for a third edition Dungeons and Dragons. Setting that uh, I was going to do, and then my wife got pregnant with quadruplets, and I had to shelve for a long time. So now that the quads are 19 years old, we can get back to doing this stuff, barely. But yeah, <laughs> Shock of the Sorcery is all about uh the Dragon Empire. So, what happens is in about 500 years ago, a uh, zombie apocalypse goes forth upon the entire continent and destroys just about everything. And the last survivors of the Free Peoples race to the mountain. It's kind of like the Lonely Mountain from The Hobbit, it's got a dragon that lives in it, it's an active Volcano, or uh, it's a hidden active volcano. Um, and uh, they come in there, and there say, oh, volcano. There's actually lava that runs through it, it's not a volcano, but yeah, you know, that's where they uh, Marty's like, really? I'm, don't you remember the part in the books where they actually there, there's, okay, to... there's
3: lava up top? Yeah. This, I'm, I'm interrupting your lore dump here. I'm making this this podcast. Okay, wow,
2: I forgot he's my shill, he's a good shill. I'm trying to make uh for years. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Uh, there's a, It's an active volcano? Wow. I would buy a book. <laughs> <laughs> an active volcano, volcano Hmm.
2: <laughs> well shilled. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, the, uh, the, they come to the dragon. They say, dragon, save us from the zombies. The dragon says, that's a lot of zombies, guys. And I can't really kill them all. But what I can do is kill all the zombies in the area long enough for you to build a wall around the city. And then we will end up crackling like crazy. My microphone doing, we'll figure it out. Uh, uh, we'll end up, uh, you'll, you'll build a wall around the city, and then we'll set a, a pact here where we form a government around the city. I am going to be the dragon emperor and rule you forever, right? So, they set this up with a dragon. Then, the dragon emperor lives at the top of the mountain, in the dragon spire, and then below that, we have the elven reaches where the elves live, and then the stronghold where the dwarves live, the gnome town, the big borough where the halflings live, the village where most of the humanity lives. And then Goblin Town, where all the quote-unquote evil races live, uh, the goblins, the orcs, the kobolds, the ogres, whatever, right uh, up against the wall where you can actually still hear the zombies moaning and clawing at the stones every night. Um, so it's got that kind of dark feeling to it. And what's happened, though, is that over the last 500 years, these people have been put into a pressure cooker where they've had to deal with this kind of uh, thing going on outside them and being trapped there. So things have evolved. I mean, one of the things about your traditional high fantasy world is that they tend to stay the same forever it's this idyllic farmland that uh, nobody ever advances it's 2003 ages later and still they're farming stuff and never you know, having, forming cities really but in this case they've developed a little bit further they've gotten to like 1910 1920 or so as far as what we would think of that as being so now we have shotguns we have rifles we have pistols we have glow globes that will actually light up when you walk into a room or if you tap a panel on a wall like a light uh, light bulb would um, we have, uh, if you want to get from one part of the city to the other, you stick up your hand and a taxi will fly down out of the sky uh, as a flying carpet, pick you up and take you wherever you want to go. Right? Um, so there's all sorts of potential for adventure. There's lots of crazy things happening. Uh, the streets have this noirish 1920s Chicago or LA feel to them, where uh, you know it's down these mean streets a man must walk lest he become mean himself. That kind of a thing. Uh, you get to go out and do adventures in the uh, surrounding area where they're all—all all the zombies are still there and have basically protected it from other scavengers the last 500 years. You have to find out where you can get to, um, and then you can have also more uh, interesting personal type adventures inside the city as well. So, and Marty looks like he's dying to say something. Are you, are no, you? I'm not dying to say anything.
3: <laughs> you, you bungled that Raymond Chandler quote, but that's—that's not that's right. I did um, it. Uh, but uh,
2: my favorite Raymond Chandler quote is, is if you get stuck in a story, have somebody walk in with a gun. Right. So now you can do that, <laughs> that's and do that. Right. <laughs> with this with this book. So.
0: I mean, it's kind of like uh, kind of like the the colloquial wisdom with d and D's, like when the when the game is uh, going slow,
2: ninjas attack. All right, exactly. Right, roll for <laughs> initiative, whatever the hell you're doing. Yeah, what's it for? I don't know. We get, we're gonna get, we're gonna do combat for a while. So, yeah, uh,
3: yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good setting. Here, I'm trying to shill for you. You're clearly tired. <laughs> oh I can yeah, see, holiday. I can <laughs> see the video feed. It's 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 uh you you often say it's 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 meanest tierth meets the lonely mountain meets 1920s Los Angeles or Chicago.
2: Right. Yeah. Me- it's uh, there.
3: it's fantasy noir that's that's our real tagline yeah maybe not as good tagline but that's the real one it's it's on the poster behind you
2: that's right yeah we had that game hole con woohoo look it's a big banner yeah marty and i ran nine events at game hole con running shotguns and sorcery for people and getting them involved so they'd all sign up for our kickstarter page and go to the pre-launch and blah 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 but uh we had a good time with it too actually it was a lot of fun you know, uh, doing the adventure, the same adventure over and over, and having people do it and solve the problems in radically different ways, right? Yeah, sometimes disturbing ways. <laughs> Marty had one crew; he's like, they killed everybody. I don't know what happened. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: yeah.
3: <You> <laughs> and then things got they dark. each other in like one shot. It's like, well, you get to the end of the adventure; they all just look at each other. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, Suddenly,
2: reservoir dogs kind of reservoir dogs, dogs ending. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the things about this because the weapons rules are actually pretty deadly. You know, modern day shotguns and, and rifles and such, but they're yeah. enchanted too. So you can get like a plus two rifle or whatever, but you can also get ones that reload when you tap them on the ground, or shotguns where you can actually toss enchanted shells in there that fire spells, which are kind of fun. Um, and all the ammo is armor piercing, so nobody bothers with armor anymore because you're lugging it around for no damn reason at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, it becomes much more deadly. And I actually prefer that in a lot of, one of my favorite things messing with role-playing games is twisting the lethality dial up to 11 um, because it encourages people to actually role-play that right it's not like let's go in and just kill everything well you could try that but you know unless you know what you're doing you're probably going to get shot and that's going to ruin your whole day so
0: yeah i fifth edition um and i'm not as familiar with cypher which this game has also come out for earlier um and for those listening the the uh what was it the bundle of holding you also have the cipher version up for the same amount of time that the kickstarter is up so correct
2: yeah no coincidence there uh alan varney runs the bundle of holding contact me said you're running a kickstarter uh, let's sell your Cypher system stuff at the same time. So you basically get $75 for the PDFs for 18 bucks, right? Which is a good deal. Yeah. Um, give you everything you need to play for the Cypher system version of that came out. Well, it was a Kickstarter that ran 2015. Then the game did come 2020. Uh, we were not in charge of that one We're running mm-hmm. it now, but that's one of the reasons that, uh, we we made sure that when we did this version of it, that Marty had actually written all the fifth edition rules already before we actually launched the Kickstarter, right? Uh, we have some polish we're doing. We just hired on Rob Schwald as our developer for it. Uh, Rob uh, wrote the Cypher system rules for the original Shotguns and Sorcery role-playing game mm-hmm. and was also one of the designers of 5th edition, the actual original three books. So no, you know, nobody else is gonna know this property and how to work it with 5th edition better than Rob. So, I mean, Marty did a hell of a job with it, but Rob's gonna be able to go and say, hmm, I would see what you did here and tweak it just a little bit better, so. Cool.
1: So actually I have a a question in that regard. Like, sure. like uh you know, so I I played Cypher in in its an original like Numenera form. So right. I haven't kept over, up with it over the years to see how it's evolved and kind of filled in the creaky bits that we experienced when we did our like short-lived campaign for like three or four months. Um 5e is a very different beast from yep. Cypher. And so, you know, I guess my, my question is like how did that spin the game? Like, how does that change? How does that impact the setting? Like, what was Cipher good at, and like, what are you looking at D and D to be
3: good at
2: for fifth edition? Yeah. That I'm let Marty <laughs> answer that one. He actually did the conversion. He's <laughs> answered this kind of question before. He does a good job with it. Uh,
3: well, I mean, Cipher. Um, Cipher Cy- is uh It's it's not a. It's not a very. It's not like a an ex. It's not like a a really simple system. It, it's not. It's not one of those like one page cut down. Uh, TTRPG systems that that you get a lot of nowadays, but it is it is comparatively there. There are a number of fewer skill checks in uh, Cipher compared to other stuff. There's a lot less math involved uh, as opposed to Five E. Uh, with Five E, it's uh, uh, the, the amount of like scaling stuff I had to work out and figuring out character stats and. NPC stats and this and that, because because in in Cypher, NPC stats are like three or four numbers, and uh, in in Five E, it's like, well, you got to give them all these numbers and all this equipment, <laughs> and uh, you got to make sure it's all all mathematically correct. You can't just fill in what feels right. It's got it's got to connect up like their 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 strength has to be connected up to to whatever they're. Skills are their pluses and minuses gotta work out.
2: Uh, yeah. I, and the funny part about the two systems is that uh, the cipher system deforms differently. I was expl- mentioning this in another podcast where uh, you know every time you take a system for this thing, it's like a skeleton, and then you wrap shotguns and sorcery around it, right? And right. the cipher system, for instance, one of the big things is literally the cipher economy, like ciphers are these little one-use magic items. That mm. just, you know, you're supposed to use them like candy, right? Like they just show up and you, they're like Reese's Pieces and you just you chow them down as quick as you get them. Um, and that's very different for Dungeons and Dragons where everything's like, you know, the holy sword plus five of Vecna's balls, you know, whatever the hell it is. It's
3: just- yeah, <laughs> ma- magic items are supposed to be solid things that have worth and stuff. Yeah, yeah they're, not, they're not supposed to be one Passed one-off. down
0: from generation to generation.
2: Exactly. Right. it's a very different feel for that. So we did that with the Cypher system. Rob actually wrote the rules for that. Um, and, you know, that transformed the way I thought about the setting a little. And then when we went to 5th edition, it was kind of going back to the old 3rd edition. I like, okay, now we'll just uh, move some of these things over. Marty did a really good job of translating the Cypher system stuff we had come up with into 5th edition materials. So that there, a lot of the magic items that you saw in the Cypher system will actually work in 5th edition. You translated them right over there. They'll function pretty well. Cool.
0: are they are they ephemeral like they are in
3: cipher system or um or are they more uh, some durable of, some of them are i mean yeah there there were like a hundred hundred of these buggers uh, oh. so, so, so there's, there's, a lot of variety All I, right. I can't i can't i can't say uh that, that's not a yes no answer uh, no. uh but so, some of them were were uh uh i can't think uh th- there there were uh more that I made tweaks to that I, than ones I didn't i mean I can't think of one actually that I didn't make some tiny little tweak to in order to move it over um so so a lot of them a good chunk of them were were made permanent or and then depowered or or changed in slightly ways and um a uh, a handful were just cut um because uh they were just too similar to to stuff that exists in d and d already. Um, like shotguns mm-hmm. and sorcery is more more unique in the sort of cipher system stuff because that cipher system when we when we uh started it uh in, in twenty fifteen they, ha- they had they had new monera and not a lot of other settings they didn't have a lot of fantasy like type stuff, so some of the you know uh fantasy type items that are in the original cipher system game, like like potion of healing or whatever yeah. um obviously aren't going to carry repeat
2: that for the fifth edition version of shotguns and sorcery. Right?
3: Yeah. It's already out there, right? Yeah. So some of the more creative noir type ones, um, would be good to, to, to carry over. And I, I worked on carrying those over. Right. Yeah. One of the more interesting magic items,
2: things in shotguns and sorcery comes directly from the stories is this thing called Dragonfire, which is essentially a liquor that's been infused with, the uh the shaved dust of dragon scales right from the dragon emperor himself so and marty came up with a neat mechanic for if you take a shot of this in the game if you have to have a bottle of it uh it'll actually give you an extra spell slot for your spell casters and then once you get the hangover because the effect wears off you lose that spell slot and another spell slot and if you lose if you take too many and lose too many then you actually do damage to yourself so uh, i mean that's a that's a pretty terrible hangover marty i don't know how you came up with that (laughs) <laughs>
1: it's like that's great. It's fantastic. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. There's also a thing called Dragon Essence, which is essentially dragon heroin or cocaine is you know, you snorting the dragon scales and that's kind of funny stuff.
3: But yeah, it's part of the whole nineteen twenties prohibition thing. Yeah, exactly. and it does yeah, seem yeah. to
0: fit in with the noir side of things as well. So like yeah. like with that uh with that drink, if you have more than one shot, is it cumulative?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so you could that. you could
0: get amazingly powerful, and then get very hungover. Probably die after. Yeah, that. That. Okay,
2: I like magic with the
0: cost. It's yeah, good. It's a it's push cool. your luck kind of Power thing, with the right. cost.
2: And that was actually the first short story I wrote for. It. it involves it was set in a bar called the Quill, which is one of the, play, the locations in the game, where a bunch of jackbooted elves who are the part of the Imperial Dragon's Guard knock down the door, and, and suddenly it's a raid. And they're looking for the dragon fire. It's really kind of fun, so and of course, it all spirals out of control from there. That's just a pretense for what's actually happening behind the, because otherwise it's, cool. it's like oh, it's a raid. oh, didn't we pay you assholes off this month? Come on, you know <laughs> So it is like Chicago it's very the prohibition, city. Chicago yeah, the other, right? it's Chicago now too, you know so one,
0: yeah, well, I mean we yeah, Beloit is not very far, and I grew up no. pretty close to Chicago, so. So I know that feeling, you know, Al Capone's <laughs> ghost is still still haunting politics in all of Illinois, so. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so one of one of the other things that we have here is comparing 5th Ed and Cypher, we kind of touched on it. How's, what's the, we kind of have two questions that are similar. Uh, what's the, what styles of play work best for each system? Um, and then the other one that we have is, um, I think we actually already answered that like how the GM or the GMing styles as well. So like right. there's there's the the GMing styles of each system but also which if you're deciding which game to pick up for your table um right. what styles of play at your table would be best suit which edition
2: I think the answer is that... I think um, you should
3: pick I, up the 5th edition one because there's only a week left on the Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> right. the well, my boss likes to name? say, why
1: choose? <laughs> right? Why not get both? both? <laughs> why not yeah. both? Yeah. yeah, I
2: think if, if you like Cypher System, Cypher System is an interesting... If you already know 5th edition, well, like most people do, go buy the 5th edition one. You're, you're going to be thrilled with that, right? Uh, it's great for combat. It's got some great investigation stuff. we got some mysteries. There's actually a full 40-page adventure included in the book that Marty wrote for the Cypher system and translated over to Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, one of the main things about D&D and the reason it keeps being so popular is that you can basically twist and bend and flex it into other things if you want to, right? And so we've done some of that with this. Um, although I think the, the strength of the Cypher system in a lot of ways is that it's player facing. So the, the Dungeon Master, the Game Master in Cypher never rolls the dice, right? It's always the players rolling the dice. And the players make a lot of the decisions which allows the Game Master to actually focus more on the story, right? And for Shotguns and Sorcerer, I think if you're interested more in investigation style stuff, Cypher System might be a, a, it'd be leaner for that and more natural for that than Dungeons and Dragons. Although, obviously with 5th edition you can do that kind of stuff. It just means you're doing different types of roles and whatever. Um, but, you know, if you want to do sheer combat and that kind of crazy fun and tactical stuff, d and is a think is a stronger candidate for that. Whereas uh, Cypher System is better for investigation and and research and uh, poking around a little bit more. Cypher system is more about exploration than it is about kicking down the door, killing the bad guys and taking their stuff, gotcha. which is the classic reward loop from Dungeons and Dragons. So. Yeah. Right.
3: right. System, arguably, arguably the better role playing, just straight up talking about stuff. Yeah. role playing system. Although 5e may be more accessible, especially for newcomers. And uh, the, like, like you mentioned that the 5e Kickstarter we got going on right now is a slightly more complete package, arguably, right. than uh, the, the bundle of holding, although you should get the bundle of holding too. Sensing a pattern. Then, oh, I mean, uh,
2: honestly, if, you, if you're in a PDF, so you could get both for under 50 bucks, right?
3: You get yeah, the yeah B, but the, one, yeah, I one. believe the bundle of holding yeah. just has like the base cipher system book, right? No, it's got everything. Oh, does it have? Does it have uh, the the supplements and everything?
2: It's got everything except for the Pathfinder conversion, which obviously okay, didn't. ciphers. Well, Part of it is because right. the cipher system is licensed for Monty Cook. So anything I had to pay Monty and his crew a royalty for went into this thing, and that meant I didn't have to like say, okay, but we tossed in this other stuff that I don't have to pay Monty a royalty for. How do figure out the-? Let me let me do math. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And nice. you know, what's, what's nice. fair. And then I got to negotiate that all much right. simpler to say all this money here that comes in, I have to pay Monty his percentage. Right? right. Makes good sense. So there are a couple small things like the Pathfinder conversion book that, which is basically him just kind of stepping up and say, okay, now I get this. Now I'm ready for 5E because I've done this with Pathfinder, uh, which is essentially, you know, 3.75 or whatever. Because um, we were doing Pathfinder First Edition, because that's when the game when we did the Kickstarter, that's what they had. Yeah, I,
3: I wrote right. the uh, like a forty page just like stats conversion kit for Pathfinder as, as one of the final like gotcha. contractual obligation things for the original yeah, Kickstarter, exactly. which we took over at the end when uh, the original guys uh, had some problems. Uh, yeah. Had well, some problems. Yeah. Uh, They're actually
2: doing pretty well on their own stuff. It's Outland Entertainment. They do great books and games and everything else. But this was kind of this thing that it just dragged along for them because when they were starting out, the had some initial stumbles. And mm-hmm. it, it, uh, after five years, the license was expiring. and We talked about whether or not we should extend it. I'm like, guys, are you enthusiastic about this anymore? Or is it just like, I just want to get it done? Because if that's the case, let's just get it done and then we'll move on to do other stuff, right? And yeah. I'll help you out with that. We'll own the entire thing and we'll we'll sell it. Uh, and we just kind of had our hearts out. And Jeremy Muller, who actually does our cover artwork and is the publisher of Outland, great guy, We looked at each other and said, you know, yeah, I think we're right. Let's just call it quits here and then we'll move on to doing different things. It's fine.
0: It's good to hear that it turned out so amicably because you, you sometimes hear about stuff like that, that either kill a company or bad blood or whatever. And I'm, you know, sometimes it's, it's nice just to, to hear that like, okay, we got it across the finish line. One person's passionate about it; they're gonna they're gonna take it off and run with it, and the other person they're gonna do what their passion is is for.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I've I've been involved in gaming industry stuff. I've been involved in so many different gaming industry things over the years that have failed. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them have done really well too. But you know, nobody ever gets in this thinking, "Oh, I'm going to screw everybody over and make it." So uh, then after that, we will sell them through drive-through RPG for both uh, PDF and print-on-demand. So the cool. print-on-demand books will probably be more expensive because print-on-demand actually ends up, a book like this will probably cost like $75 for print-on-demand, whereas we're able to call them for the print run here for 60 bucks, right? Gotcha. Um, and also the deluxe version will not be available at that point. The deluxe version is going to be what we do. And, you know, that's something that Justin's could do for us. Uh, one of the old printer tricks is you can print all the insides at once and then you do the covers separately, right? So you can do the deluxe version when you're printing all those inside covers. But then, when it gets to uh, print on demand, they don't have the tech the technology to do the really cool foil stamping and all that kind of crap, um, on the marker ribbons, et cetera. Uh, so we'll do those for the deluxe edition. But then, once that those are gone, that's probably it. We'll have a few stuck away in an attic someplace that my my grandchildren can sell on an eBay or whatever the equivalent. Fifty <laughs> years. Yeah.
0: So Ken, I'll I've asked a bunch of questions. Do you have uh, what questions do you have? Yeah, I had a,
1: a question for Marty. So, you know, you've worked on this and other projects with your dad. Like, how did that come to pass? And, like, what is that like? Did it just happen organically or, like, one day, hey, dad, I want to write for you? <laughs>
3: uh, well, uh, this literally started well. I was in my last year of college. And I was – well, I, I love games. I love uh, games writing. And uh, also, I was a college kid and I wanted some petty cash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so uh we had the the Kickstarter left to finish up. He basically uh well, he asked me if if i uh I'd be willing to to help him finish it because i I was going to school for writing well it's it's a it's a very easy editor relationship uh when uh, <laughs> uh you know you can just hit me up basically whenever to ask about notes. Right. Uh,
2: as long as you take the trash out, it's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah.
3: So, so uh, it, you know, you can supervise it very closely. So, uh, yeah, uh, it went from there. Yeah, it was pretty simple. I mean, he, uh, Marty's been
2: interested in doing this kind of stuff for a while. Uh, he's grown up playing games because he grew up in my house, essentially. Um, and, you know, some of my kids are really excited about it. Some of the kids are like, eh, hey, I'll do something. But Marty's always been games, 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 games. So, uh, when he got out of college, I'm like, you know, are you interested in this? This is great timing. And then when he finished with that, I'm like, do you want to write the fifth edition thing? We'll get this started now so that we can run the Kickstarter as soon as we're done fulfilling the old Kickstarter or helping fulfill the old Kickstarter, uh, which we literally did the day before we launched this one, right? There was an art book that came out that we shipped to backers cool. uh, on Monday. And then Tuesday, we hit the big button and said, launch yeah. Kickstarter for the next one. So, yeah. Awesome. Good time. timing. Yeah. But yeah, he's so, yeah, I, part of it, I've watched him grow as a writer throughout his life. And I know he's a good writer, so I had a lot of faith in him. And I have actually learned how to get feedback since I was his age. <laughs> so now I can say, okay, this is maybe not this, maybe more like this. And uh and he, he takes feedback very well. He's uh, one of the problems of a lot of young writers is they're precious about their work and uh you know they're nervous about getting feedback and he doesn't have that. He's been very maybe I beat it out of him at an early age. He's been very good about taking feedback and, and constructive criticism. That's a hard skill to learn for a lot it of people. It is for anybody, right? I mean, part, part of being a creative person is that you have an ego involved, right? If you don't have any ego involved, you wouldn't bother to show it to the world. You're like, you think this is cool. You want to share mm-hmm. it. And some people get to the point where like, I think this is cool and it's perfect. Don't touch it. And you're like, no, no, it's everything can be improved, right? That's yeah. why we go through play testing and everything else and development and editing and et cetera.
0: Yeah, it's the same with uh, code as well.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. I had and a joke, but I won't made. tell it now. What's that? You have a joke <laughs> <laughs> just keep me in suspense, huh?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's what you say. How do you keep an it? Uh, this is a joke you've told me literally 200 times. How do you keep an idiot in suspense?
2: I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. <laughs>
3: So, that's know. really yeah, cool to I, see. I you grew got, up in a got. house that, that taught me uh, to never have a sense of pride. That that was awesome. Oh
2: <laughs> we call that a sense of humor, Marty. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> not having a sense of pride, but a good sense of humor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That worked. That,
1: that, that, that's great to see. I, I mean, I think it's it's cool that you guys have a great working relationship, and like you know, I think it, all of us as parents have had those moments with our kids. Where you're trying to work on the project and you're trying to get it done, and tensions are rising, and and what have you. So uh, it's cool that you actually got you guys actually wanted to work together, and it it worked out pretty well.
2: Well, one of you guys was Mm -hmm. uh, doing scouting just before you got here, right? Yep. Yep. I remember being Marty's scoutmaster, and we were doing the Pinewood Derby. uh, apparently the scale that we had done his, uh, his, his Pinewood Derby car on was wrong because we walked in there like, no, that's two ounces too heavy. And I'm like, that's a lot of ounces on a Pinewood Derby. <laughs> like, I looked it up. I had a drill in my hand. I said, I looked at him. I said, is it okay? He says, go right ahead. I just went and drilled it out until, you know, it still, it still worked. but There was a massive hole in the middle that took out the two ounces of weight. So. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's when you learn how to just say sure whatever <laughs> cheese mobile exactly.
3: <laughs> <Cheese-mobile. laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well, that's one of the things we always talk about is improvising right i think it's one of those great life skills to learn right like yeah. yeah you come up with a great plan it doesn't survive contact with reality so let's figure out how to solve it like right now with a drill <laughs> exactly
2: <Yeah. laughs> if you get to use power tools all the better right that's good fun It was a good lesson for him, and I didn't panic too much. And he actually went through it like, "Yeah, sure, whatever, Dad. Yeah, no problem at all."
0: I don't think we. I don't think we have any other. uh, Ken, do you have any other questions?
2: I I think we've gone through all our list. There we go. Good. Yeah.
1: I I just have my generic one that I always ask whenever I was interviewing folks, which is like, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add?
2: Buy the book. <laughs> um, That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, The whole reason we do this kind of stuff is fun. It's all part of uh, this great community where we play games together, and we just like to be a part of that. I mean, uh, we go to uh, GameholeCon uh, and GenCon or whatever. One of the neat things about the gaming industry, as opposed to, say, the fiction or comic books or movies or whatever, is that the people or the professionals are really just, like, the line between professionals and fans and and players is so blurry that it almost doesn't exist right? Because we all start out that way. And then when we, if you are one of the people who move on to being professional, you're just like, I, I am now helping guide this. I'm having fun with it. And I want you to have fun with it too, as opposed to, you know, there's this, there's not a fence or a wall between or whatever. We're just uh, part of the great community, so to speak. But, um, um, been really fun to watch it grow like crazy over the last few years and become more diverse, get lots more women and minorities and different orientations, whatever, genders. It's been amazing to watch all this stuff just grow and and become uh, more widespread than ever before. Been a lot of fun.
0: Well, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, We'll try and get this out as soon as possible, but before the Kickstarter ends. Uh, So in the next couple of days, uh, we'll let you know when it goes out.
2: And then Tuesday, November 16th at 9 p.m. Central Time. So get in before then.
0: 2021. Just in case yeah, people too. are listening, <laughs> in yeah,
2: 2025. the or future, like I, I've got time. No, yeah.
0: you, you <laughs> <future>. <laughs> Thanks again, and uh, everyone else. You know, we'll we'll put in our more canned outro in here somewhere. Uh, you'll hear that. So, thanks everybody for listening.
1: If you had feedback, especially on season one, we would love to hear it. So you can send it to us at podcast at Lairofsecrets.com or via Twitter at layerofsecrets. You can also v- visit layerofsecrets.com and leave us some feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts about what we're talking, what we've talked about, and what you'd like to see in season two.